Welcome to the Crossview Church Message of the Week. We hope you enjoy the message this morning. For more information, visit us at mycrossview.com. Well, today is the first Sunday of Advent. I love it. Doesn't the church look beautiful? I just want to say thanks to everyone who uh, has spent a whole bunch of time this last, uh, last Sunday decorating the church uh, for Advent and Christmas season. Today we begin by far my favorite time of year. I love the, the colors and I love the music. I love the Christmas flavored drinks. I love the cold weather. You know that. And I love this season. Today we begin what's called the season of Advent. <coughs> Excuse me. Many of you know this um, as we typically review uh, this every year, but for some of us, this, the idea of Advent might be new. And so this is a good reminder. The season of Advent is a season that brings, uh, that begins the annual church calendar. Each November, the very last Sunday of November, Advent begins the brand new church calendar. Advent begins the fourth Sunday of November, and it includes the four Sundays before Christmas. And I love this. I don't know about you, but I love this. I think it's fitting that the church calendar starts with the birth of Jesus. The new year for the church starts with new beginnings, new life, and a reminder of our ultimate hope in Jesus. The season of Advent ends on Christmas Eve, uh, which is followed by the Christmas season, which starts on Christmas Day and goes for 12 days. And I think I've shared with you before, our family has the tradition now of leaving up all of our Christmas stuff for the 12 days of the Christmas season uh, and celebrate all of that season as a family. It's wonderful. For some of us, Advent has been a long-standing practice in our spiritual life, but for others of us, Advent might be new. The word Advent literally means <clears throat> the coming or the arrival of. And in the New Testament, it's a word that's often associated with the arrival or the appearance of a king or a ruler, someone of great significance, so for the church in Advent, Scripture attaches that significance to the Messiah, to Jesus. This season acknowledges that Jesus is the creator, redeemer, and long-awaited Messiah that was written about in the Old Testament and that he will reign and rule and set all things right. We have such hope, and that's what we celebrate here in Advent. We see for God's people... For God's family, a sense of deep longing for the saving and redeeming work of God. A longing for God's saving presence. And that is what we begin to look at and focus on here in the season of Advent. So for most of us, holidays like Thanksgiving and Christmas are very family-focused. Holidays matter for families. And maybe you spent time with family uh, this past week in thanks, at Thanksgiving. My mom joined us from Oregon, and it was wonderful to have her. In fact, for Advent, this Advent season, this year, what I'd like to do is I'd like to focus our reflections on Advent through the idea of family. I'd like to focus our, our uh, reflections on Advent through Jesus's family. You know, each of us and our families, typically we have our own routines and our own traditions that come into play around the holidays. For example, my family has an apple pie recipe with a homemade, made-from-scratch crust that has been passed down for several generations. 
We usually make the pie uh, for things like Thanksgiving and Christmas, but I've also been asking for it as a birthday present uh, and any other time that my wife would like to make it. I should probably learn how to make it uh, myself. In any case, it's a holiday tradition, and we love it. You know, as a family, we all come from some, we, we come from someone or someones. We come from somewhere. We come from something. Or to put it another way, we each have, we each come from a people and a place and a story. In the case of Jesus, he comes to us from someones, his people, Israel. He comes to us from somewhere, the place, the land, the terrain, the towns of first century Palestine. He comes to us from something, the covenant story, <coughs> excuse me, the covenant story of his people's dramatic relationship with the God of the universe who extended his love toward them, Yahweh, the great I am. In other words, Jesus has a people, he has a place, and he has a story uh, to and through which he comes to us, Emmanuel, God with us, here at Advent. And like Jesus, we also come from a people or an extended family line, a place. We come from hometowns, homelands. We have our own story, the story of our family, and the ongoing connection with God through possibly previous generations. Maybe you're the first generation in your family to follow after Jesus. This Advent, could you begin to look for Jesus at work in your family story, in the people, the places, the stories from which you come? Can we recognize the hope that we have in Jesus as we see him working in and through our family story? Now, uh, what might God begin to show you about your own heart uh, your own gifts that he has placed in you along the way to bring continued redemption and restoration to you and to your family that we get to participate in the ongoing story of God's family here in our time on this earth. What an incredible thing we get to be a part of. Now with all of these things in mind, I want to look at what is typically a starting place for the season of Advent. What I'd like to do is we're going to look at Isaiah chapter 11 verses 1 through 3. And it reads, like this. Out of the stump of David's family a sh a will grow a shoot. Yes, a new branch bearing fruit from the old root. And the spirit of the Lord will rest on him. The spirit of wisdom and understanding. The spirit of counsel and might. The spirit of knowledge and the fear of the Lord. He will delight in obeying the Lord. Now I love Isaiah. His writings are important. And Isaiah's words here were a cause for introspection and hope during the prophet's life and in a very difficult time for the family of God. In fact, the words of Isaiah 11 offer a sense of hope for a time of peace for God's people. Uh, and in order to understand the passage here for Isaiah 11, we've got to read it in light of Isaiah 10. In the previous chapter in Isaiah 10, God had given the northern kingdom of Israel over to the kings of Assyria. In fact, Isaiah chapter 10 is essentially where the northern kingdom is finally destroyed. Now, there are many reasons for this, but like we mentioned in our David series uh, that, we had, that we've just finished, the people of the northern kingdom had all but abandoned God at this point. 
For example, bad governance of the northern kingdom supported the rich and the powerful becoming more rich and more powerful at the expense of people who were already poor and marginalized. The wealth and power gap was so great uh, that they used their power to pass laws to justify all kinds of injustice. And God even condemned the Israelites in the northern kingdom as a godless people in Isaiah 10, verse 6. It was not go- at all good for that part of the family of God. So God would allow the Assyrians to destroy the northern kingdom, which broke the heart of Isaiah and the Israelites in the southern kingdom who at this point, they were still faithful to God. We talk about a longing for salvation and a longing for God's renewing work in general, but here is an example of this longing worked out in a very particular setting. God, please, our family is broken. Our history is being torn apart. Our brothers and sisters are dying at the hands of the Assyrians, and our future is uncertain. Please help God do something. God, is this the end of it all? Is this the end of your family? And I bet Isaiah had God's promises to people like Abraham ringing in his heart, where in Genesis chapter 22, verse 17 through 20, he right, it, it reads like this. I will certainly bless you. I will multiply your descendants beyond number, like the stars in the sky and the sand on the seashore. Your descendants will conquer the cities of their enemies. And through your descendants, uh, all the nations of the earth will be blessed, all because you have obeyed me. And I wonder if Isaiah's got these promises in his mind, and he's asking this question, is it all over, God? What I love about this passage, this Isaiah passage, is that even though the destruction happening in Isaiah 10 is the background for our thinking here, when it seems that all hope is lost, what we actually see is hope all over the place. In fact, we see the promise of hope both in Isaiah 9 and Isaiah 11, like bookends of hope in between Isaiah chapter 10. In Isaiah chapter 9, verse 1 through 3, we read this. Nevertheless, the time of darkness and despair will not go on forever. The land of Zebulun and Naphtali will be humbled. But there will be a time in the future when the Galilee uh, of the Gentiles, which lies along the road that runs between the Jordan and the sea, will be filled with glory. That's so incredible. And then we get to the place where we are very familiar with this next passage, uh, this next verse. It reads, The people who walk in darkness will see a great light. For those who live in a land of deep darkness, a light will shine. You will enlarge the nation of Israel, and its people will rejoice. And they will rejoice before you as people rejoice at the harvest, like warriors dividing the plunder. And a few verses later, another set of verses that we're very familiar with at Advent. For a child is born to us, a son is given to us, and the government will rest on his shoulders, and he will be called Wonderful, Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. His government and its peace will never end. And he will rule with fairness and justice from the throne of his ancestor, David, for all eternity. The compassionate commitment of the Lord of heaven's armies will make this happen. Incredible. That's Isaiah chapter 9. On the other side of Isaiah 
chapter 10. And then we have Isaiah 9, Isaiah 10, and then our passage for today in Isaiah, like bookends of hope, where it reads, Out of the stump of Jesse, out of the stump of David's family, will grow a shoot, or sometimes in other translations it's, it reads, Out of the stump of Jesse. When all things seem lost and it's dead, a shoot will grow a new life. Yes, a branch bearing fruit from the old root. And the spirit of the Lord will rest on him in the spirit of wisdom and understanding, the spirit of counsel and might, the spirit of knowledge and the fear of the Lord, and he will delight in obeying the Lord. So this is incredible. When all hope seems lost, when the way is unknown, God gives Isaiah a vision for the future. He is not done. Hope still exists, and God will act powerfully. Isaiah's visions uh, begin with the metaphor of new growth, new life, a stump that is not dead and gone, but one that sprouts new life. One commentator I read this week wrote this. I've, Isaiah's vision gives a trampled people grazing or gazing on a trampled land the power to imagine a different uh, polity, a transformed world. The Hebrew word for shoot can also mean rod or scepter. The wordplay here links the promise of new growth and life with that of a new ruler, a new future, and new hope. Praise the Lord. And this is true for you and me as well. New life and hope in Jesus. The image of a branch from the roots of Jesse links God's future work with his past promises with the people's history with God, a history of being chosen and one of God's favor, and that that will continue in the family of God. The branch will flower and it will bear fruit. It will flourish in order to provide protection and nourishment for God's people. And all of this will be done through ordinary members of God's family. And this is where things get really exciting. (laughs) That the work of God's family, this hope that comes from God, Uh, to us today is all carried on and taken up by ordinary members of God's family, including now you and me. It starts with Jesse. Remember that guy? Jesse, David's father. Jesse, his biblical claim to fame is just exactly that, that he's David's dad. That's it. Pretty ordinary. (laughs) And then David. We just ended a series on David last week, and one of the points that we made is that David's story shows us how God can work in powerful ways through the life of normal, everyday, ordinary people. The David story, like most other biblical stories, presents us not with a polished ideal to which we aspire, but with a rough-edged actuality in which we see humanity being formed in relationship to God. It's a story that never bypasses the ordinary, the everyday, or the normative human experience. God doesn't take shortcuts to heaven, bypassing our troublesome humanity, and we better not try to do that either. God works in the ordinary aspects of everyday life, all the way from the Old Testament to the New Testament, to you and me today. In fact, I think uh, one of the ways that the Bible kind of connects this, is by introducing Jesus as a son, as the son of David. That designation isn't accidental, but I think a major item of theology. 
It connects Jesus to David's family line, to God's history with that family. And it connects Jesus to the hope of Isaiah's passage here. And it connects Jesus to David and all his flaws as a normal, ordinary person who did great things by saying yes to God. That's encouraging as we think about that today too. So God's, God's story continues through the ordinary members of his family along the way as we move into the New Testament. What do we see? Hundreds of years after Isaiah, Jesse, and David, God's family lived once again under the threat of violent people, perhaps worse than the Assyrians this time. This time it's the Romans. The Romans, as we know, inflicted injustice and violence on the people, especially the poor and the marginalized. And it's into this world, into, uh, into a poor, ordinary couple, Mary and Joseph, that a child was born. Jesus, the Messiah, the hope of the world. What's cool is that at the beginning of Matthew, the disciple begins with a short genealogy, a genesis of God's family history, beginning, a beginning birth story of Jesus, tracking hope from all the way from the Old Testament to the New Testament, and even to you and me today. The Bible wants to convey, convey that God has entered our world through a very ordinary human family. And as we begin to see God at work in the wild, amazing family story of Jesus, we may begin to see him at work powerfully and faithfully in our own stories. That would be a profound gift, even a miracle for some of us this Advent, that when God helps us notice how he is at work, uh, we, we, le- we turn our eyes from seeing only the brokenness of things to seeing the fullness of God, his miraculous work to bring us and to bring others to himself over time and maybe even over generations. So to understand Jesus at the beginning of Advent, we would do well to discover the root of faith from which he comes. The Son of God, it seems, did not come to us in a vacuum. One author I read this week wrote this, Jesus didn't descend from a strange ethereal heaven in a mysterious clouds of divinity shimmering with an otherworldly glow. He came as a child, born naturally of a mother from a family line herself and nurtured by a father who knew the names of his own kin many generations into the past. In Isaiah 11, 1 through 3, the great, that great prophetic passage that hails Christ's birth, we see that Jesus, the branch, comes from the family line of the great King David, the son of Jesse, and from a long line of faithful to which we point today, saying, Lord, as they said yes to you, so may we. I just want to, as we get close to uh, wrapping up here, I want to uh, again focus and read this passage together. Out of the stump of David's family will grow a shoot, yes, a new branch, bearing fruit from the old root. The spirit of the Lord will rest on him, and the spirit of wisdom and understanding, the spirit of counsel and might, the spirit of knowledge and the fear of the Lord, and he will delight in obeying the Lord. For a child is born to us, 
a son is given to us, and the government will rest on his shoulders, and he will be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, and the Prince of Peace. His government and its peace will never end, and he will rule with fairness and justice from the throne of his ancestor David for all eternity. The passionate commitment of the Lord's of heaven's armies will make this happen. So as, uh, as we go from here today, I want to encourage you to spend some time reflecting on Advent and how that invites us into the larger family story of God. Think about the hope that we experience at Advent, that it begins all the way back in the Old Testament, moves through to the New Testament and to you and me today. That you and I can be part of the normal, ordinary, everyday members of God's family that bring powerful hope to the world today. Because this is, Advent invites us to this larger family story. It's Isaiah's story. It's Jesse's story. It's David's story. It's Mary and Joseph's story. It's Jesus' story. It's Kyle and Christina's story. It's Addison and Michael and Lizzie's story. And it's your story too. Think this week about how you've seen God in your own family, both the highs and the lows, the joys, the struggles, and even the sufferings, that God has been with you every step of the way. Let's orient ourselves, not only uh, to, to decorating and food and maybe our favorite traditions, but around our common story of the family of faith as we posture ourselves for a season of renewed joy in the person of Jesus, renewed hope in God's work in us all, and our family, large and small. Let's pray together. Heavenly Father, I'm so grateful uh, to be able to uh, tell this story of our family, our larger family, our family of faith. Thank you, Jesus, for the way that you have worked so faithfully for so long. God, help us uh, today as, as we go from here to recognize the way that you've worked in our lives, in our family life. Help us recognize how you have brought us to where we are today. Jesus, fill us with hope as we uh, spend this time in Advent reflecting on you and those around us. We thank you, Jesus, for your spirit with us. We thank you for an opportunity to worship and to pray. And God, I pray that we are encouraged that we can now take up the mantle of bringing hope to the people and the world around us. We love you, Jesus, and we pray in your name. Amen. Blessings on you all.